The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Welcome to the Donut Racing Show where we bring a YMCA locker room mindset to the Equinox obsessed podium of Formula One racing. My name is Nolan Sykes. I'm joined by my two co-hosts, my favorite auto journalists, Elizabeth Blackstock. Good morning. And Alanis King. Hi, Nolan is laughing because our producer, Christina, messaged the chat and said the lady talking on Zoom when the recording starts will never not scare her. And I said, me? With a bunch of question marks. And Nolan just started laughing and I was like, oh, well. It can be salvaged. We're good. We're good. Uh, Hello, everybody. Welcome. This week, different kind of episode we're not talking about any sort of race because uh if you haven't noticed there hasn't there wasn't a race last weekend uh this week we're talking about the outgoing drivers on the grid as well as the newcomers to the sport um we're going to give you some little profiles on each of these drivers get to know all the faces that are uh coming and going um and some that are sort of staying but not really a lot of people to talk about this week. I, I've taken notes. I've, I've listened to interviews. I've read interviews. Okay, I haven't listened to interviews, but I, I read interviews. <laughs> I'm excited to get to know these guys. First, I want to know how your weekend was and your life oh, is. Oh, my weekend. Just tell me about it. Uh, I mean, it was kind of, you know, kept it real low key this weekend. We shot the finale for High Low on wow. Monday up at Sonoma Raceway, uh, and that involved... A lot of driving in very stiff cars. Uh, we put probably over a thousand miles on those things in a couple of days. Uh, so my back okay. is kind of hurting after sitting in racing <laughs> seats for so long. Seriously, I feel like my back has probably been damaged by that. Um, Ouch. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, I came home and this weekend just kept it low key. And we uh, Honda lent us the new Type R, the Civic Type R, which I very much enjoy. Uh, if you have mm-hmm. the money to cover the added dealer markup on one of these cars i say go for it it's it's a very nice car and it, it it's so good too you will not be disappointed as for me i don't think i i don't think i'm i'm not built for a twenty thousand dollar markup on a on a civic well nolan and i were talking about the new type r before we started the podcast and i drove it at the u.s grand prix and we were talking about how grown up and just 
put together it felt it didn't feel like antsy like a little teenager car you know it felt just very nice it's a nice car it's pretty low-key you're not going to get a bunch of looks like you did with the old fk8 but i like that because that's kind of what the old type r like the first the ek civic type r mm -hmm. was just an egg with some red badges and you're if you didn't know <laughs> what you're talking if you didn't know what you were looking at like it went under the radar and that's kind of the same thing with this car that's the spirit of type r for me and the interior it feels like a, it feels like an audi to be honest like it's yeah. the fit and finish is very good the you know noise and vibration is very minimal like it's a quiet car when you want it to be on the like highway it's super impressive and uh I wish I had rich parents and was involved with crypto trading <laughs> and I just had nebulous money coming out of my ass because I would buy one of these things for sure. It's very, very good. Elizabeth, tell me about your weekend, please. Well, two weeks ago on this podcast, my husband had COVID and I did not. And then I got it. Well, I tested positive again today. Oh, no. Because I'm part of the one to two percent of the population that got the Paxlovid rebound after I completed my medication. So... Oh, no. We are riding the vibe of extended COVID. Wow. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. I'm sorry. Uh, Alanis, how was your weekend? Okay, so I, for like the millionth time, won Settlers of Catan. Very proud of myself. Hell yeah. And I also had a big NASCAR weekend. So I randomly booked tickets to go to the Clash at the Coliseum in Hell Los yeah. Angeles. Great event. And then I also, I had the nicest interaction. So a few weeks ago, I interviewed Kyle Busch, who is a two-time Cup Series champion. KFB, baby. Yeah. So I interviewed him for a story on road and track. He was so nice. This interview, it only takes 12 minutes. No one takes more than that on this interview. He took 40. He talked to me for 40. <laughs> and his PR person, after the interview, told me, yeah, when you reached out, he asked me to compile reading material and report because we talked about an incident from 2015. And if you don't follow NASCAR, in 2015, Kyle Busch, the day before the Daytona 500, hit a concrete wall and broke his foot and his leg, uh, like on each leg, right? Oh, wow. And so that is what we talked about. We recapped that. And he wanted to make sure that was on the top of his head. So he like studied everything. Like Dang. he was telling me the speeds he was doing. He was telling me all the little details. And we got done with the interview and he was like, if you need anything, let me know. If you have any questions, let me know. He kind of opened up an avenue of communication. And so when his PR person told me he studied for the interview, <laughs> I published it and I sent him a text and I said, hey, you don't have to respond to this. You're busy. And I just want to say thank you. Like, I appreciate how much you did. He sent me the nicest text back. Let Aww. me read it to you. Exclusive. Um, <laughs> Hi, Alanis. Thanks for the note. It was a pleasure to help you. Thanks for doing the story and writing the piece. It turned out great. Have a Merry Christmas. Wow. Aww. That's awesome. So you know what? Next time Kyle Busch has like a little like he gets mad on the track or something and you want to say he's awful. That, that's a pretty cool dude. That is my story. All right. So on to Formula One. This week, we're going to talk about our outgoing drivers, Sebastian Vettel, Mick Schumacher and Nicholas Latifi. And then we're going to meet our new drivers for the 2023 grid. Oscar Piastri, Nick DeVries, the returning Nico Hulkenberg, and Logan Sargent. But before we get talking about our outgoing guys, we are going to talk about the man in purgatory, Daniel <laughs> Ricciardo. Um, I want to note, he is leaving his seat at McLaren, but he is going to Red Bull as a reserve driver in the most disappointing, like, 
arc <laughs> of leaving this team and coming back. Um, he's going to Red Bull in a, as a reserve driver. So he's still going to be around. We're not going to like formally say goodbye to him or anything. But we did want to talk about him for just a second before we got into the meat of things here. So I think Elizabeth has a beautiful story about Daniel Ricardo. Not just one story about Daniel Ricardo. I have five Daniel Ricardo stories. Five. I have interacted with this man five times in my life. <laughs> and I felt that perhaps it would be fitting to rank those interactions because he's a great human. On the bottom, number five, uh, the first race I ever went to, I painted a six foot long flag, the Australian flag, <laughs> with a picture of a honey badger that said, beware the honey badger. Brought that, got it signed by Daniel Ricardo oh, cool. during an autograph session, but literally his only reaction was to look at it and go, <laughs> that was it. <laughs> Number four, Red Bull had a contest where you could make a meme. And if you made that meme, they would bring you to Milton Keynes for a cricket match. <laughs> I made a meme, full impact fun, everything. It was a picture of Daniel Ricardo winning a race next to Lewis Hamilton. The caption was sandwiches, no ham. I won, <laughs> as one wow. does. So I got to watch Daniel Ricardo play cricket with Crofty. Uh, and this man's like gangly limbs trying to play a sport that is not race car was delightful. Number three, during the 2015 U.S. Grand Prix, Red Bull posted a tweet about how Daniel Ricardo was serving food out of a food truck. That food truck was on the corner of 24th and Pearl Street. I lived on 22nd in Pearl Street. I walked wow. over, I met Daniel Ricardo, <laughs> and he served me kimchi fries. That's sick. Incredible. Number two, I interviewed him this year. We talked about nothing but NASCAR in America, but I did get to confirm finally, after like five years of wondering, we did in fact get tattoos at the same shop in Austin within two weeks of each other in 2015. There you go. Good job. Yep. And my <laughs> last one, number one, the first time I met him where I designed a, again, another Red Bull contest that I won, uh, where I designed a movie <laughs> poster, a Western themed movie poster. Won this contest, got to meet Daniel Ricardo. This is the one where he thought uh, trail mix was a bowl of cereal. <laughs> and he told us about how he eats so many sour Skittles that his mouth bleeds. So relatable. Uh, yeah. uh, I'm surprised that like Red Bull never connected the dots on all of your like uh, creative ventures there and like didn't try to hire you or something. They did actually. Oh. <laughs> I did, I did freelance for Red Bull for a little while. Oh, wow. okay. Well, there you yeah. go. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> he is a, he's a good dude. Uh, sad he's off the grid, but happy he's still in the paddock. Hey, how about that? Yes. Okay. That's doing, our dude. Doing things. He's going to be he's gonna be their PR buddy. You know that. Oh, yeah. Every post mm. will have Danny. All right. So uh, let's talk about one Sebastian Vettel. Oh, mm -hmm. how, how do you even summarize Sebastian Vettel? He is one of the best Formula One drivers of all time with four drivers championship titles, which he won consecutively from 2010 to 2013 with Red Bull Racing. Vettel is the youngest world champion in history. He won his first title at only 23 years old, and he has the current record for the most consecutive race wins at nine. He also holds the third most race victories with 53 and podium finishes at 122, plus the fourth most pole positions at 57. I'm sad. This year, I had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows because Sebastian Vettel made an Instagram account. And I was like, wow, Sebastian Vettel made an Instagram account. 
And then a few hours later, Sebastian Vettel announced on his Instagram account that he was retiring. That's how you do it. <laughs> so sad. You know, I it is sad, but also makes sense. You know, I mean, doing research for this show, we'll revisit this theme later on when we meet some of the younger drivers. But I was like, dang, I'm getting older. Like Sebastian Vettel used to be used to be the the young hotshot, and now he he's like one. He, I won't say elder statesman. He's not that old, but you know, he's like one of the older guys on the grid. And you know, that's how sports goes. Yeah. I mean, Sebastian Vettel, like, I think we really saw this character arc of Sebastian Vettel from his like young, really successful, say what you will about him racer vibes when he was younger. And then as he gets older and the formula one part, he starts to realize, okay, well, we're not going to be winning any championships over here. Like I, I'm not going to be winning any championships at like Aston Martin. Right. But I can be myself and I can try to do some good for the world. Right. Like I can support LGBTQ rights. I can talk about climate change. I can do all this stuff. And I really enjoy when racing drivers get older and they have this prestige to their name and they're able to say more about how they feel and try to like make some change in the world, right? And I think it, what was really interesting about Vettel's career, especially was like the fact that he evolved into that so publicly. Um, when you think about his debut in Formula One back in, yeah, in 2006, uh, he was 19 years old. He was kind of a hothead. He was very brash. Uh, he was very stubborn. There was the infamous multi-21 incident as he went on in his career where he refused to give up a position to his teammate, Mark Webber. He got humbled, I think, after he moved to Ferrari and realized that suddenly he wasn't going to win a championship with another team and found other ways to make meaning out of his career, which I, I really, really respect that. Like, it's it's not easy to be so dominant so young and then kind of, like, plateau. But he he did something really special with his platform. Exactly. And the thing about Sebastian Vettel is, you know, he moved to Ferrari at a time that was very uncertain. So at the end of 2013 and the beginning of 2014, we went from the V8 era to the V6 turbo hybrid. And when you make a move in that time frame, you don't really know who is going to dominate that era of race car. And if you choose the wrong team, then like sometimes you just get kind of stuck and you're out of it. Yeah. It, it was a, an era where it went from Red Bull domination to Mercedes domination and everyone else was kind of picking up the pieces. Can I share a Vettel story before we move on? Yes, I have a yes, good one. Yes. So back in 2016, Sebastian Vettel was constantly stuck behind slower cars and would get on the radio demanding that they the stewards would show a blue flag. So I and all of my postery decided I was going to get Sebastian Vettel to sign a blue flag. <laughs> I was hungry. <laughs> Uh, so I ordered a little blue flag. Back then, the autograph sessions just took place in like a mosh pit. So I skipped the entire day of on-track stuff to stand here waiting, committing to this bit to get this signed by Vettel. He was so nice about it. I was like, there's a 50-50 shot. Like, he's either going to be mad and he's not going to sign it or he's going to laugh. He absolutely lost his mind giggling. Like, he could not stop. He said that he liked my sunglasses. And if you don't know, I have this like 
obnoxious pair of red heart-shaped sunglasses that I wear to the racetrack. And as he like walked down the line signing stuff for people, he kept turning around and like laughing because he kept seeing the blue flag. Um, <laughs> it was great. I wasn't a Vettel fan at the time. I was just there for the meme. Um, but that actually like that was really part of what changed my opinion on him because I respect someone's ability to be able to laugh at themselves and like what was undoubtedly a terrible situation and super annoying for him to have some little <laughs> come up and like make a thing of That's it you. but it was me it was it was he was really nice <laughs> okay so here's a theoretical based on this just on people having humor if you don't know Kimi Raikkonen he is known for always asking about the drink so he will just come over the radio and ask about like a drink of water or something or like he his water is empty and he's mad. This is the thing. So anytime you reference Kimi Raikkonen, you say like the drink, right? Kind of like yep. the blue flag thing. If you walked up to Kimi Raikkonen and you asked him to sign a drink bottle, is he self-aware? Two, if he is self-aware, would he laugh or would he be mad? I think in his racing days, he probably would have been indifferent. Uh, mm -hmm. and pretended not to know what you're talking about. But now that <laughs> I think he'd be like, oh, yeah, okay, this is funny. Yeah, I think the vibe would be better now. Yeah, definitely. I don't know. I think you might have to explain it to him. And like once you explained <laughs> it to him, he would get the joke. He'd be like, why do you want me to sign a drink bottle? And you'd be like, the drink. And he'd roll his eyes and be like, all right, whatever. <laughs> he'd sign it. And you would glean from the, the eye rolling that he thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, if you had caught him like in his racing days and you asked him to do that after like a bad qualifying session, I feel like the the answer would have been different. But now would be good. Other drivers, we have Mick Schumacher leaving. And, you know, Mick Schumacher is kind of in the same category as Sebastian Vettel. He cares about other people. And I'm sad <laughs> to see him go uh, temporarily or not. So Mick Schumacher is best known as the son of legendary driver Michael Schumacher. But we at DRS think he's way, way more than that. He's a Formula 2 and Formula 3 champion. He scored points this year in a Haas. And perhaps most importantly, he seems like a decent person. Yeah, I can't imagine that we'll, this is the last we'll see of Mick Schumacher. Just the, the name alone gives him a lot of cachet. And I think he proved himself to be a decent driver, at least, like... Uh, maybe he just needs to find some more financing for himself and he can find his way back onto another team. Um, I think the growth that he showed this year in such a crappy car uh, speaks volumes for his like potential. Yeah, I, it's just it is pretty confounding to me that he did not find a seat uh, after Haas. You know, I'm kind of trying to figure out what happened with Mick Schumacher and why he wasn't capitalized on as much as he should have been as a driver. So when you think of the Formula One grid, there are people who come to mind immediately. And like, I think Mick Schumacher really had the potential to be one of those standouts. Like he kind of looks like a high school quarterback. He cares about other people. Like he wears pride shirts. He does all this stuff. I'm trying to figure out where the marketing gap was that Mick Schumacher content did not reach me nearly as often as other people. That's actually a really good point. I didn't even think of that until now, but um, I've talked about it before, but Lily Herman has a, she's a writer who has an, a newsletter called Engine Failure. And she's pointed out before mm -hmm. that Mick himself wasn't 
like he didn't post a lot on Instagram and like didn't, I don't know, other drivers have gotten more into the social media swing of things, but Mick never really seemed to do that. That's kind of the weirdest part is that like Mick should have been a really big asset. He has a last name that is very, very important in Formula One. That in, in and of itself should have been a selling feature for him. And it just didn't feel like we ever got anything. Strangely enough, seemed to be some kind of spat going on within Haas regarding him. Uh, it seemed like he and Gunther Steiner just didn't vibe very well, especially this year. It makes me wonder what happened behind the scenes to end up where we are now, where Mick isn't going to be driving next year. So what I found wild is, you know, it's always very cool to me when Formula One drivers or any kind of drivers, they support different causes. And when Lewis Hamilton has a an LGBTQ rights helmet and when Sebastian Vettel wears a shirt or has a helmet or rainbow everything, climate change everything, you see it. It's all over Instagram. It's all over everywhere. Mick Schumacher did this. And I did not see him nearly as often. Like, why was it harder for me to find Mick Schumacher's pride clothes and pride shirts than everybody else's? I just, I'm trying to figure out where, just like where the gap was. The the thing that I saw from Mick Schumacher that came onto my timeline very effortlessly this year, the one thing was when he went to Texas Roadhouse. And I'm like... <laughs> That is. This is the one time I've seen Mick Schumacher on my timeline. Because the thing is, is I don't follow many Formula One drivers. I see what comes on my timeline organically. Like I see what people are talking about because that shows me what people care about. And there was just not a lot of Mick. And I think, I think a lot of racing drivers really screw up in that they don't teach us who they are. And I think they're afraid because they're afraid of saying something wrong and getting in trouble. I've spoken to NASCAR drivers about like, tweets they've made that have gotten them in trouble or like tweets they didn't make because they were scared. Like I, I've spoken to drivers about this and they're always worried about the fact that like, what if I say something wrong and make everybody mad? Even if everything I'm saying is very, very innocent, you know? And I think that makes them afraid to share who they are. But the thing is, is that if you just had like some kind of consultant walk, walk through your day and go, this is the kind of stuff you should share about yourself you would be a global icon if you just showed people who you were. Make Texas Roadhouse your entire brand. Yeah, I don't think there's any way we don't see Mick Schumacher again in the future on the grid. Let's move on to our final departing driver. You know him. Our guy. You, you love him, or maybe you don't. I I, I don't really love him. Uh, it's Nicholas Latifi. <laughs> I don't. Sorry. I Ouch. Look. <laughs> the whole Gotifi thing, I understand people are just having fun with it. I think the all the drivers on the F1 grid, sh it should be the best drivers in the world. I don't know if our boy Nicholas qualifies. <laughs> uh, yes. So, Ouch. Nicholas Latifi, this oh. man was notorious. Don't say out. Come on. Out. No Come one, on. No one is just bringing Slam the dunks. heat. He, look, oh. he seems like an... He act, he really does seem like a decent dude. He does seem like a, a nice guy. He's Canadian. Uh, he probably has like a Lamar win in his future, you know. Put him out there with Fernando. Put him out there with, yes, put him out there with Fernando or Nico Hulkenberg, whoever. Uh, but 
dude, come on. Uh, this guy was notorious for uh, being a real-life spin doctor on the track. No one can spin out like Nicholas Latifi. Uh, you know, he played a pivotal role in some of like the biggest moments of the last couple seasons with his spinouts, <laughs> causing cautions and whatever. Um, yeah, so started carting. This might have something to do with it. He started carting at a relatively late age for a for a uh, race car driver at 13 years old. That's actually pretty late when guys like Sebastian Vettel started driving when he was three years old and started competing when he was six. Like, that's pretty common for you to be, like, five years mm -hmm. old and karting. Nicholas had a, a pretty late start there. Nolan, I hope one day you make it to Formula <laughs> One. And some podcasters are sitting around and they're like, Nolan started karting <laughs> when he was at this age and he sucks. Yeah, no, you're right. I would suck. I'm sure like all these like F1 drivers when they leave and they're young, they're just like, well, okay, I, I'm super rich and handsome. Like I can just kind of do whatever I want in my life. But honestly, like come to America and run NASCAR. You could be like a like a professional wrestling villain, basically. Like, yes, <laughs> yes you could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is the thing. Like, there's a reason why Talladega Nights is compelling. Okay? I was about to say. <laughs> There's a reason why you have the dude from the other country come in and race these American boys yes. who are out here shaking them. Be John Gerard, you know. Be John Gerard. Drink your Perrier. Drink Do your it. macchiato in the car. Your Lavazza. Yeah, drink your Lavazza coffee, Nicholas Latifi. Dude, a Lava dude, a Lavazza truck would look so sick. That's actually pretty legit. Yeah. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. 
Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Let's move on to our drivers coming to the grid this season. Our first driver, he's a familiar face. He's a handsome face. He's got great hair. Liz, tell us about Nico Hulkenberg. Nico Hulkenberg may be new to the grid driving for Haas in 2023, but he is not new to Formula One. This man has had 181 starts since 2010 for teams like Williams, Force India, Sauber, Renault, Racing Point, and finally as a reserve driver for Aston Martin 2022. In that time, he started on pole a single time for the 2010 Brazilian Grand Prix. Good for him. He also holds the record for the most F1 career starts without a podium. Good for him. But he did win Le Mans' first try, and he's one of six drivers since 2005 to win the Formula 2 championship in his debut season. So he has a skill, at least one. It just hasn't translated very well to Formula 1. He has at least one skill. And he will be in Formula One next year. That is a great. That is a great line, Elizabeth. Um, if you were advertising Nico Hulkenberg to Formula One teams, I can see why he got hired. I'm not actually a massive Nico Hulkenberg fan, for the main reason that he's eternal, and I want someone else to like. Yes, be there. Like, there's a lot of really good, talented young drivers, and I understand Haas wanting to have someone with experience. It's super interesting because, you know, um, we have guys like Sebastian leaving. We have, like, members of the old guard. Kimi Raikkonen left last season. Hulkenberg is, like, an old one of those old guard guys, I think. And he's coming back after a long absence. It's funny. Like, you play, like, Formula One 2013, and you race against Hulkenberg, you know? <laughs> it's so funny. And, like, here he is. He's coming back. Like, hey, did you miss me? This man is 35 years old. People retire at that age, and this man is coming back. So here's my thing about Nico Hulkenberg. He's always around, and to me, he's never felt particularly, like, personable. So the thing I remember most about Nico Hulkenberg is that a few years ago, he tweeted, like, there was something about the Force India cars being pink. And he tweeted, now you see why I left Force India. And it's like, oh, are you... Are you yeah. so like are you so self-conscious totally about, about like this. your masculinity you that this like he just gives off like macho yeah, vibes totally. and it's like the vibes are weird. I forgot about that. It's like, "Oh, you didn't like how they became instantly like the most recognizable cars on the grid and some of the cool like I honestly love the Pink Panthers. I thought they were yes. so cool looking, like pink." Great race car color. Uh, Come on, man. Come on, Nico. You wanted to continue to be sponsored, like, to continue Sahara Force India, which went into administration because Vijay Malia, the owner of the team, was a hot mess. Like, you wanted to keep that up. You couldn't handle the fact that you were sponsored by a brand that was pink. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Like, Nico Hulkenberg has just always given me weird vibes. I remember when, I think it was around the time F1 made the announcement about not doing grid girls anymore. He was like, I want my eye candy on the grid. And it's like, 
can you not like refer to women as I like what are we doing like what year Nico, is it like Nico like, I want to get horny before the race that's literally it and it's like Nico can you like I don't know do you not have to be like do you have to act like this all the time Nico like, Hulkenberg kind of seems like the driver on the grid most likely to book a stay at the White Lotus that's um, yeah exactly yeah 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 you got it you got it Nolan I <laughs> Sorry, we've been oh. watching a lot of that lately, and I've just now Everybody made that has. connection. But it's like, I totally see him. He's there with like his girlfriend. Things are kind of rocky, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> He's like, oh, all right, the eye candy's down at the pool. Great, you know. Look at my perfect hair. <laughs> look, I'm looking forward to the the future exploits of Nico Hulkenberg at Haas. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of comedy in our future. Uh, he's a dude he's a bro you know our next driver coming to the grid is one australian named oscar piastri oscar piastri is an f2 and f3 champion who will be making his formula one debut this year with mclaren however you may remember oscar from all the driver lineup drama earlier this summer Uh, Alpine publicly announced that the driver would replace Fernando Alonso in 2023, but Piastri posted on Twitter that he had not signed a contract. Uh, Alpine's team principal, Otmar Schaffnauer, criticized his integrity as a, quote, human being, and the team took him to court. Uh, The FIA Contract Recognition Board actually ruled against Alpine, and shortly thereafter, Piastri was formally announced as McLaren's second driver in place of fellow Aussie Daniel Ricardo. Yeah, so that that whole tweet he he said, quote, I understand that without my agreement, uh Alpine F1 have put out a press release late this afternoon that I'm driving for them next year. This is wrong and I've not signed a contract with Alpine for 2023. I will not be driving for Alpine next year. And I honestly understand Alpine suing uh Oscar because Alpine actually made a significant investment in both time and kind of resources for Oscar to drive for Alpine. Um, in a F1.com interview before this whole kerfluffle, this is early in the season, Oscar said, quote, Alpine are putting together such an extensive test program this year. And I think that speaks volumes about their belief in me. Uh, it, he was v- very much slated to drive for Alpine. Um, and it's just, you know, I have to wonder, that's just how it is when you're a driver, though, I think. Like, you can't, unless you really are like a true believer in a team, like you a lot of these guys are not hitching their their wagging to one horse, you know. Uh, the, the McLaren announcement really came out of nowhere, but uh, that's that's just how it goes sometimes. Um, yeah, very crazy how that all went down. And now uh, Alpine is left without Fernando or Piastri. And now instead they have uh, Esteban Ocon and fellow French driver Pierre Gasly. But Oscar... Uh, I took a little scroll through his social media. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. Tell us what you learned. He suffers from what I will now coin. Oh, no. Uh, racer bot syndrome. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, where are we no. Lo- okay. No. Yes. Where are we looking? Are we looking on Instagram? I'm on Instagram. Okay. 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 Uh, I wanted to find any sort of personality, any sort of personal life oh, no. uh, from Oscar Piastri. Could not find any, which... I respect, you know, I, I don't really post a lot about my private life on my Instagram. Uh, Oscar has nothing of the sort on his. It's all racing all the time. 
24 7 this is just branded content and i will say oh he loves goodness. to he loves to start every post with quote i'm excited to announce yep, that's it that's it's it like I was you just click on that. any post you just, it doesn't matter which there are a few outliers out there but he is always proud to announce something whether it be a sponsorship a a good race result an award he loves getting awards as well he's gotten like five awards this is, so funny. This is incredible okay um always great to be at monaco <laughs> how many synonyms can you come up with for like excited to do a thing so enjoyed every second of my first days with mclaren thrilled to be joining quad lock case as a global ambassador (laughs) super excited to announce my merchandise range with thg bro um let's see great news that f1 will be returning to melbourne until at least 2035 like i i gotta give it to i just scrolled to a random point from december of 2021 and it starts off with super excited (laughs) This is a good drinking game if you want to die. Um, yes. Just scroll through and click on a random post because I just did another one and it's another awesome day. <laughs> <laughs> great chat on Sports Sunday. <laughs> what a great See? few years it has been. No so, caption. <laughs> it's just it's just like devoid of any sort of personality. And this is what you were talking about with the NASCAR drivers earlier. Yes, it is. Alanis. Yes, it is. Um, it's, it's like a fear of of offending anybody, even if that means offending someone with a semblance of a personality. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, it's That's what I think it is, especially with these younger drivers. They don't want to rock the boat at all. They want to keep, they don't want to risk losing any sort of opportunity. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think it's pretty sad because who knows? I, I don't know anything because of this post, of, because of his social media, I don't know anything about Oscar Piastri. And uh, that's sad. Uh, so just a little background before we move on here. Uh, Oscar, he started out racing uh, remote controlled cars back in 2011 <laughs> at 10 him. years old. Very Good much like him. Lewis Hamilton, by the way. Um, oh, he was oh born goodness. in 2001. Oh. Yeah. Oh, isn't that crazy? Oh. Yeah. Uh, he was in British Formula Four in 2017 and then joined the Renault Sport Academy in 2020. So, yeah, there's that Alpine connection there. He was slated to race uh, for the French team. And then, uh, yeah, he was res- uh, one of Alpine's reserve drivers this year and now will be racing for McLaren. Number two driver behind Lando Norris should be an interesting pairing. I think maybe Lando will coax some sort of personality. Maybe we'll get to see who Oscar Piastri is. He is an Aussie after all, and we love our Aussies. We will see him on Lando.jpg. That's exactly it. For sure. That's exactly it. So we have our next person who is Nick DeVries. But I think our parting wisdom for Oscar Piastri is have a personality or in two years we will be talking about you in this exact episode oh no leaving the formula one grid don't be afraid to be australian yeah don't be afraid to be australian go to outback steakhouse okay just (laughs) have a personality or else yes good luck oscar that's really good forward to watching you race all right let's move on to our next driver nick devries welcome my guy He's a Formula E and Formula 2 champion who spent 2022 as the Mercedes reserve driver until he was called up to race for Williams at the Italian Grand Prix, and he scored points during his first Formula 1 drive. Now, he's going to race alongside Yuki Tsunoda at Alpha Tauri in 2023. So if you don't remember, Nick DeVries got called up because Alex Albon had it was a ruptured appendix, right? Yes, yep. And he went got in, his appendix removed. And he got his appendix appendix removed and they called on Nick DeVries to get in that car. And you know what? It is not easy to score one point in a Williams. And it is certainly not easy to score two 
And that yeah. is what he did. He finished Phenomenal ninth drive. in his debut. It was incredible. It was a great, great race for him. Um, yeah, so like we said, initially very involved with Mercedes, uh, kind of in the same way that uh, Oscar Piastri was on the Alpine track, Nick DeVries. You know, a lot of pictures of him on his social media with Toto Wolf and hanging mm-hmm. out in the AMG Patronus garage. Um, yeah, I, look, I did some research here. Uh, but Good it was after, after that uh, ninth place finish at Monza, he goes uh, and has lunch that following Monday in Monaco with Max Verstappen. I think they're buddies. They were hanging out and were talking in very frank terms about what that finish meant for Nick and what the possibilities were were for him now that people see that he's a great driver or could be a great driver. So after that lunch, he arranges a meeting. He goes to Austria, meets with Helmut Marko, one of the top guys at Red Bull. And then the, the AlphaTauri uh, agreement comes through uh, helmet able to to snake Nick DeVries away from Mercedes, uh, which is crazy, by the way. So yeah, he'll be he'll be there on AlphaTauri, like Oster Piastri. Nick DeVries also has a, a fairly I, w- I would call it a sterile uh, social media yeah, presence, yes. very much of like, hey, I'm a race car driver. <laughs> This is what I do, man. Uh, he's not as much of a racer bot, I think, as Oscar Piastri, but he's pretty close. He definitely came out of the Mercedes yes. like driver camp. Like you can you can tell. See, here's the thing. Like, I actively follow Formula E. And I know nothing about Nick DeVries despite him winning a championship because he never like expressed much personality. And it's easy to do that in Formula E because nobody cares. Like that's where you go when you don't have a drive anymore and like it's your last chance. But Nick DeVries, I guess, made something of it. Like he won the championship and continued on. But like, yeah, I've never heard any anyone like, oh yeah, that Nick DeVries, he's a real cool guy. Formula One is very un they're just not experimental. Like they don't go after people who have not already gone out and done something in a Formula One car. And I think this is partly due to the fact that you have to have those super license points. So we saw earlier this year that Colton Herta, you know, there were talks of him coming to Formula One, but he didn't have the super license points because the super license point system is awful and does not really count IndyCar drivers as drivers. Um, that was an issue. Indie car drivers are people too. Indie car drivers are people too. <laughs> you can't really get creative and like go out on a limb in Formula One. And I think Nick DeVries shows that this dude came out, started a Formula One race, and then everybody was like, oh, he exists. And then they hired him. Yeah. Like, do we think Nick DeVries would be driving in 2023 had he not subbed for Alex Albon? I don't think so. I really don't think so. I think these teams are so uncreative. Maybe Daniel Ricardo would still be on the grid. Hmm. Interesting. They're so uncreative. So we have Alex Albon's appendix to thank for that. The vestigial organ. Not necessary anymore. Can kill you. Okay. We got one more driver left. Uh, Liz, tell us about All right. our final guy. We have Logan Sargent, who is the final new driver for 2023. He'll be replacing Nicholas Latifi at Williams and will be joining Alex Albon. He is the first American F1 driver on the grid since Alexander Rossi raced in five Grand Prix in 2015 and is another pretty sterile driver from what I've gathered on his social media. Yeah, Uh, He's from Fort Lauderdale. He's from Fort Fort Lauderdale. Lauderdale. Man, I bet they have a Home Mm -hmm. Depot there. You can go do some (laughs) Duracell promotions. (laughs) 
<laughs> I bet they do. I think Logan Sargent introduces the topic of Americans in Formula One, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I'll I'll leave it up to y'all. Y'all let me know. Would you like me to just read an excerpt from Racing with Rich Energy about Americans in Formula One? Sure. Yes. Racing with yes. Rich, rich Energy now available online. Uh, wow. Yeah. Go How wherever exciting. fine books are sold. Uh, I ordered a copy just last <gasps> night. Thank you. Yes. Ooh, uh, wow. So get get yours today. Let's hear a little passage about Americans okay, in F1. Okay. Here we go. So. Of course, Haas is an American team, and we were talking about how Haas isn't as American as it seemed. So, here we go. Formula One had always been short on Americans, even if it gained the U.S.-based Haas team in 2016. When Haas joined Formula One, the most recent win by an American was Mario Andretti in 1978. The only two Americans to compete in the series after the turn of the century were Scott Speed, who ran for Red Bull Racing Junior Team Toro Rosso in 2006 and 2007, and Alexander Rossi, who ran five races for the Manor Marussia team in 2015. Before them, the most recent American in the series was Mario Andretti's son, Michael, in 1993. But neither Speed nor Rossi had much luck making it in Formula One. Midway through the 2007 season, Toro Rosso replaced Speed with German driver Sebastian Vettel, Speed hadn't scored a single point across his two seasons in the series, while Vettel went on to win four championships in a row with the big kid Red Bull racing team in 2010, 2011, 2012, and 2013. With the 2010 title, Vettel became the youngest ever world champion at 23 years old. Then he became the youngest double world champion, then the youngest triple world champion, and finally the youngest quadruple world champion. So, as you can see, Americans in Formula One, haven't had a great history of it. And then we have Germans come in and do really well. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie. And we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie. And we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. So I actually have some stats uh, here for this one. Because I collated a list of every single American driver that entered a Formula One Grand Prix. There are 54 of them, actually. Um, That's not counting the 10-year period where the Indy 500 counted as a Formula One race because no Formula One drivers actually ever went over there. This is just one-off enters, you know, whatever. Uh, That was because back in the day, these drivers used to essentially like from a home country, you could just have like a random person show up in a third car. But my personal favorite ever American who raced in Formula One is a fellow named Frank Docknell. He was 43 years old. He was from St. Louis. He was just a mechanic who kind of did some race car. And he was like, I bet I could race in Formula One. That's what I think. So he 
He entered the 1963 Mexican Grand Prix and crashed in an unofficial practice session and immediately retired from racing <laughs> altogether. So, Logan Sargent, whatever you do in this Williams will be oh my better God, than that. Please do not crash during practice. <laughs> okay, but, but will it be better than that? Because arguably that's the best thing you could ever do. Go, uh, I could do Formula One. Get in a car, crash it, and then Refuse never do it again. Refuse to elaborate. Leave. Refuse to elaborate. Go. Like, I mean, okay, you're not wrong. That, like, that is a pretty good mic. That's drop. a pretty good mic, honestly. <laughs> it's Almost funny. like, uh, so NASCAR has this really famous guy named L.W. Wright. That's not his real name. No one knows who this man is. He showed up to a race decades ago. Fake checks, fake money, fake identity. Showed up, got black flagged for being too slow. Pulled off the track, left. No one ever saw him again. All the checks bounced. No one knows who L.W. Wright actually is. So that's arguably better, but still, that's pretty good. My guy Frank is, he's doing it. I love the, the confidence. <laughs> um, let's see. I can do yeah, that. I think him being from Fort Lauderdale's, that, that's one of my only notes I have on him. Uh, I think I'll, I'll root for him because he's an American, uh, but I just hope, you know, just don't crash. Just don't crash first session, dude. Please do not. Another thing I think is really interesting, like similar to Formula One teams, Formula One drivers or drivers who are about to be in Formula One are on no one's radar until they make a start. So if you Google Logan Sargent right now and you click his Twitter account, okay, he has 34,000 Twitter followers. Ooh, the other day, yeah, so the other day he had 28,000, meaning before oh. today I had more Twitter followers than Logan Sargent. And this man, as of like March of next year, once he yeah. does his first race, he will have a few hundred thousand Twitter followers as of his first race. But he is not on anyone's radar until he is on that track and the little lineup hmm. says his name on it. He will not be yep. on anyone's radar. Yep. So this man has 34,000 Twitter followers. Like he's just a dude right now. <laughs> yeah. It's super weird how that works because like you'll stumble upon like uh, like racing like race car drivers profiles that aren't super high profile and they still talk and post like racer bots but they yep. only have like three thousand <laughs> followers and you're like mm -hmm. oh man come on like let's let's see that personality man I don't know Noah Gregson should have been recruited oh. on a team I no, think okay Noah Gregson if you don't watch NASCAR every single time this man wins a race. He gets out of his car and he pukes on himself. Every he should go time. to the doctor and get. I mean, he has had that checked out, but like that does that does seem like something. Someone, okay, someone asked him about it. Okay, no, someone asked him about it, and he said during quarantine, I had a group of friends, and every single day they would come over and we would drink so much white claw that I think it made a hole in my stomach. No. <laughs> oh my god, that's <laughs> very NASCAR. Okay. All right. Well, those are all the drivers leaving and coming to the grid this season. Wow. Who are we most excited about this year? Who do we think? Which we slice of white bread do you prefer? <laughs> yeah. That is actually a great question. <laughs> I think Nick DeVries because he has the most expectation, interestingly. Like, we all know Nico Hulkenberg exists. No one knows Logan Sargent exists. And I don't think anyone knows anything about Oscar Piastri, but Nick DeVries has Formula One points and he has a Formula E championship. Agreed. So he has standards yes. to live up to. I think that battle between Piastri and DeVries, I think, I, I don't know, we've we've seen some good results with AlphaTauri in the past. Like they can build a good car. 
Uh, I don't know about to the level of McLaren, but we'll see. I agree with Elizabeth on Nick DeVries. I also look forward to counting how many times I roll my eyes about Nico Hulkenberg next year. I am going to have a piece of paper (laughs) where I make a hash mark every single time I roll my eyes about Nico Hulkenberg. And maybe we can tally it at the end of the year if I remember. It's a great idea. You should get, you know, you should get like a little like chalkboard or something and like hang it by the TV. So, okay, Nolan wants to close out the show. But I think even though even though it is not on our outline, I think we have to do a boyfriend of the week. Like, come on. I got some submissions this week and I think it is not an episode without a boyfriend of the week. Like, okay, well, let's let's look at the let's hear these submissions. (laughs) Okay, so the most popular submission I got got multiple. Valtteri Botas got a mullet. Yes, and did. I was going to say, it's got to be his our boyfriend of the week has to be his hairdresser. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And the mullet. I agree with that. 100%. They are I think we can't like we phenomenal. couldn't let an episode slide without mentioning we phenomenal. We just couldn't do it. The man has a mullet now. Like you think Logan Sargent's American? Valtteri <laughs> is going to be fishing. All right. Like that man is going to be on a boat. He is going to be on his dating profile if he did not have a partner already on his dating profile with a fish like oh, yeah. Big that, old dead guy, fish. that guy. He is going for it. Good for him. Thank you, Valtteri. We will see you next year. We yeah, appreciate ma'am. you. Love you, buddy. And thank you for listening to the Donut Racing Show. If you want more episodes, please subscribe Tell your friends and enemies and leave us a nice review. It really helps us out. Yeah. So this is the last episode of the season. Uh, But don't worry. We'll be back next year during the preseason to get you ready for 2023. Again, I want to thank you very much for listening this season. I know I did a whole thank you thing last episode, but I want to thank you again for supporting the show. We'll be back probably mid-January or early February uh, with preseason news rolling into Bahrain Grand Prix. So yeah, and see we you have next more year. episodes next year. Yes, we'll be we'll be coming out with more regularity, uh, more episodes for you. We'll be doing race weeks, off weeks, maybe do some interviews with people. Oh, I think that'd be fun. Valtteri's mullet Q and A with Valtteri's mullet, and only the <laughs> yes. mullet can answer. No, I want to talk to the person who shaved his head. Yes. For the mullet. Okay, there there has oh, to be a name on the outside be. of that barbershop he went in. I'm gonna do some research. In the meantime, if you're not familiar with Donut, we have a YouTube channel called Donut Media, as well as an automotive history podcast called Pass Gas. So make sure to check them out. Also, Landis and I wrote a book about the rich energy scandal called Racing with Rich Energy. You can buy that wherever books are sold. And we said it last time, but it is a great gift for the holiday season. Yeah, get it. If you want to follow us in the off season, follow DRS on Twitter at Donut Racing Show. Alanis is Alanis and King on both Twitter and Instagram. Nolan is Nolan J Sykes on Twitter and Instagram. And I am Eliz underscore Blackstock on Twitter and Eliza Blackstock on Instagram. Thank you guys for listening. Bye. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. 
Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because you know if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.